0: theyeshiva.net Good morning, good morning. Good morning to all, good morning. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us here today, wherever you are, live, virtually. Welcome. Today is Wednesday morning. Erev Rish Chaydesh Nissen, 29th and final day of the month of other <clears throat> going in tonight to the first day of the month of nissen Tofshan Pei, march twenty fifth twenty twenty just want to make sure I got the dates right. You could get confused in this situation. okay, welcome everybody and thank you all for coming I, just before I begin. I'd just like to uh, make one. Uh, I don't know if it's a comment or a suggestion, but uh, I find it very useful in my own life, and maybe it'd be useful to you. And that is in such a situation that we're all in, quarantine of the coronavirus, because of the coronavirus, may God send a refusal to all those who need it and protect all of uh, all of us and all of you and all of your families and all of the jewish people and all of humanity and the entire planet i find it very meaningful that in the morning you have a uh, very personal and powerful davening where you could really go to a a an island you know when there is a a tsunami and the whirlwind and a lot of chaos the eye of the storm is always calm. It's called the vortex, the, the center. It's extremely important in these situations to be able to have a very strong core, what we call an etzen, a penimous, that you can go into, not, I wouldn't call it an escape, but rather a place to operate from. And one of the very powerful methods of reaching there is through uh, davening, which basically encompasses davening, meditation, mindfulness, and really kavana, kavana salev, going into a very, very deep core inside of you, a place of calmness and a place of very deep connection with your own core and with your own silence and with your own serenity and with your own relationship with yourself and with the core of yourself, which is infinity, or what we call God. Because once you have that connection, it's you can operate throughout the day and the night in a much more wholesome way. Your responses can come from a more wholesome place. And it's extremely important now because there's a lot of Chaos and disarray, and people are getting WhatsApps every single second. Uh, some people are getting it every nanosecond. There's news to follow. There's concern. There's anxiety. Um, some people have homes filled with children, Kanayanhara, and trying to prepare for Pesach too, and worrying about their income. And then there's people who are in loneliness themselves in the homes. The common denominator is that people often you just get disoriented, you know it's it's the normal stability of life is gone. Every person on the planet was affected. every person, from the greatest billionaire to the most poverty stricken individual, from the most sophisticated educated uh, genius, from the greatest celebrity to the most simple peasant, everybody was was disrupted. And, uh, it's very, it's, it's very humbling. It's very vulnerable. And whenever we're in vulnerable situations, you have to go back to a very deep place, to a very, de- very deep core. Mm. I was asking myself, in all frankness, we're learning here yesterday. We learned a very, very deep mimer, very deep. Uh, our doctor wrote in the comments that in all the four years of the Shiurim, This was one of the deepest concepts. That's true. And I was thinking to myself, like, there's so much chaos going on, and people are so uprooted. Is this really the right time to learn this? The answer I gave to myself was, I asked myself, you're teaching, I'm teaching. Is this what I should be teaching? So I give a lot of other classes too. And uh, tomorrow we have our big children's program, which I invite you to uh, send all of your children or grandchildren to. Last uh, Sunday, Nuchim, Reb Nuchem, who arranged it, told me that we, have, we had 12,000 children. That was Sunday at 4. Tomorrow we have it again, Thursday at 4. You could go see it on the yeshiva.net children ask questions, which was very moving. So yeah, we have other classes, but I asked myself, is this really what I should also be teaching? And the answer I gave to myself is precisely in such times, precisely in such turbulence, precisely in such a lack of stability, and no one even knows clearly the future. All we know is that we're in, we're in, in God's hands, which for some people is very, very unsnerving, and for some people is very, very calming. And the difference is who you are and what type of relationship you have with yourself and what type of relationship you have with God. So at such a time to go to the deepest places of truth is even more crucial than any other time. Even though the concept is like, you know, tell me what to do. Uh, What do I have to do for Pesach? What do I have to do? How am I getting matzah? How am I going to survive financially? Uh, What am I supposed to do with the kids all day? Important questions, very important questions. Everybody has to figure out a way to make their homes lively, happy, um, meaningful, inspiring, and also accepting certain realities that it's just part of reality, you know, not, not sweating the small stuff and not freaking out every time your children uh, get into a fight or you yourself get into a fight with yourself. People are now fighting with themselves. It's like you have to be able to respect it and contain it. But to be able to have an island, a transcendent place that is invincible, that's neshama shanasah to be I think is very important. This is my introduction to today's she'er. I... Uh, I, a lot of us never took davening seriously because we were never trained to. As you know, all the Maimorim take davening very, very seriously, even in good days, certainly in challenging days. It's hard for people to take davening seriously because it's done for so many years robotically. But I would suggest, especially this time, to take one paragraph and just focus on it, meditate, be mindful of the words. Let the words penetrate. Apply it to your life. Think about it. Over the years, we have learned through so many pieces of davening. Yeah. This moment, we're learning about hoidu. What is hoidu? This morning, when I was davening, after talking about hoidu, so the next line is, <speaking in Hebrew> Mevakshe Hashem. What does that mean? Let the heart of those who search for God rejoice. It doesn't say let the heart of those who have a relationship with God rejoice. Yismachlev, mevakshe Hashem. And I thought to myself, how appropriate right after Hoidu? Because when I'm in a state of Hoidu, remember Hoidu is the Nefesh, right? Nefesh state. I'm a Mevakesh. I may not have it, but there's a search, which is what's fueling my conviction. And that itself brings a tremendous joy. There's a famous Malbim on Tehillim, and he says, Yis Hashem. usually when you're searched for something, you're not happy. When you reach the goal, you're happy. You know, when you're trying to fly somewhere, and you're going from airport to airport, and from airplane to airplane, and a stopover, and another stopover, and your luggage, that's not the time of calmness, that's the time of anxiety. When you get to your destination, but here he says, Yismachlev, Mavakshe Hashem. So the way the Malbum puts it, and I quote almost verbatim in English translation, is the search itself is the destination. The search for God is divine. The search for God is the relationship. Mavakshe Hashem, Yismachlev. But on another level, and it's really very, it's very consistent, it's in the state of haidu there's Mavakshe Hashem. And so, so many pieces of davening. We say before Baruch Shomer and Svard would Mizrshu Chanukas Abayis Or you say it right after Baruch Shomer and Atmusuk Ashkenaz. I go to sleep crying and I wake up in the morning with joy. Hafachta Mispadila LeMochele. You turn my uh, my grief into a dance. Whether it be Atahu Hashem Levadecha and Veivarach David or Ata Mechayas Kulum or Avas Elam Avtonu. My suggestion to you, my dear beloved friends, is that you take one of these paragraphs and you allow your soul to melt into these words and allow the words to melt into your soul and really try to just embrace that simple oneness, that very simple, undefined relationship and a core that is always always very silent and very connected and really the embodiment of the divine in this world. And that's how you begin your day because then everything is different. Every decision you have to make, the way you speak to your children, the way you speak to your spouse, the way you deal with everything that's going on internally and externally. So we learned Nefesh, we learned Ruach, and we learned Neshama. Um, Those who didn't hear yesterday's class, I'm going to suggest that you listen to yesterday's class. And more than listen, try to internalize it. There were two comments that I wanted to read. Everybody could uh, ask their questions. And there's two comments I wanted to read. And as usual, you could text in your questions to... uh, One day I'll remember this number. One day, one day... Maybe, hopefully not. 845-777-4747. 845-777-4747. You could text in all your questions. One person wrote on yesterday's speech, on yesterday's uh, shir, I'm still speechless from the class. Now I understand why you have to climb the ladder from bottom up instead of chapping malochem. Otherwise, it's an escape. Amenuah, you were able to explain such concepts with words. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't able to explain the concept with words, which is why I was actually struggling yesterday. But your point is clear. Thank you. Doctor Michael wrote very deep stuff. One of the most esoteric, abstruse concepts we have studied, perhaps in the entire four years of the She'er, with a very fascinating comment. That is posted in the comments section of uh, of yesterday's, uh, yesterday's class. And he concludes, I have a list of what Hasidus has taught me, various life lessons that I've learned from the Shir, that I can call on in so many life situations as a sort of internal compass and a toolbox of spiritual and emotional support. Just week, This week, I was discussing with my wife about the fear and the anxiety, at times bordering on panic, that we feel these weeks, and it's a reminder to bring some of these lessons back to our higher levels of consciousness, back into our higher levels of consciousness, and to remember to activate and re-internalize them, so they can help us cope with the current crisis. And now today I find out what I was finding so gratifying, what I was beginning to feel so proud of is, at best, only the bechain of Chassidus, Only the beginning, the moichin in the middis, only a lower rung on the ladder of spiritual growth with a long climb from Ruach to Neshama still looking down at me, us, very sobering. Thank you. It will take some time to internalize all of this. Uh, In a little humor, I would say that this, uh, this comment is a very good Bechain of yesterday's Shir. Even though the whole Shir was not about the Bechain, but it was a very good Bechain of yesterday's Shir. Because even that which doesn't have a Bechain still needs a Bechain. Because we fluctuate in all of the world simultaneously. We fluctuate from Nefesh to Ruach to Neshama to Ruach to Nefesh. As he said, there's a system. There's a Seder. There's a Seder of And really the layers are, are so infinite that, you know, one level of Neshama from another perspective, is a level of of nefesh when you're yet climbing higher. So they're really not contradictory in the ultimate sense of the word. So let's continue now inside page Kufsa Machtes, 1, 2, 3, 4. I'm going to do what I don't do, which is give a summation of yesterday's class, because I want you to listen to yesterday's class. I'm not going to give a summation. The truth is, I'm not going to give a summation because it's very, very profound, and you have to learn it inside. And uh, I could give a summation again and again and again and again of it, but ultimately, you really have to try to understand it. So we're going to continue inside. Go to your source sheets. We're up to we're learning this Ma'amar Matzuz Tafresh Ayan from the Rebbe Rashab, five seven twelve five six twelve nineteen no five six seven two in the Hebrew calendar nineteen twelve in the secular calendar. And if you go to the source sheets on the yeshiva.net by this sheer Wednesday morning chassidus, you'll have the source sheets you can open it up and follow. Three lines from the bottom, four lines from the bottom page samachtas. machtas. is the ivri, If you remember the beginning of the Maimah discussed that in halacha we have three categories of servitude. The evet knaini is a Jew who purchased a servant or a slave I I use the word servant more than slave because slavery in history is one of the horrific institutions where innocent people lost their entire dignity and freedom and were often lynched and beaten and tortured completely at the at the mercy of their master. Uh, When it comes, at least to a Jewish servant. The Gemara says that if you acquire a Jewish servant, it's like you acquired your own boss. You don't think he's going to be your slave. He's going to be your boss. Cause if you have only one piece of sushi for dinner, it goes to him. It doesn't go to you. And if you have one pillow, it goes to him and it goes, doesn't go to you. And if you have one piece of chicken and everybody else is eating peas, your servant gets the chicken and not, uh, and not you or your children. So, uh, so the Gemara says in Kiddushin, if you purchase a Jewish slave, don't think you purchased a slave. You purchased a master. Kedushin Evid Ivri Okay, that's an Evid Ivri. Evid Knaini has different halachas. The Rambam Hilchas Avodim Mishnah Torah Rambam Hilchas Avodim. If you really want to appreciate here the synthesis between Nigla and Pnimias, you learn Rambam Hilchas Avodim how the three types of servitude work in halach. There's Evid Knaini, Evid Ivri, Am Ivri. We're going to be touching on some of it. But the comprehensive picture is astounding in terms of the synchronizations of the of the Moshel and Nimshel, the Nigla and the Pnimius, the body of Torah and the soul of Torah. Evet Knaini is a Jew purchased a, a, a slave or servant who was not Jewish. It's called a Knaini because uh, the Knaini is, of course, the land of Canaan. And uh, so it's called an Evet Knaini, but it's it was a, a euphemism. Of a of a of a of a slave a non Jew who comes from a pagan society a society of idol worship uh, this is of course a very ancient institution and the Jew purchased this avid, purchases this purchases this evit and like everything there's halacha there's laws if you murder you, you hang in the American South I don't know if you know about slavery in the American South great but some of you do uh, you you want you 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 killed you you beat your slave you killed your slave it's your property. It's like it's like beating your car. In Halacha, if somebody kills his Evid K'naini, he kills his Evid K'naini. He gets killed. He the man gets there's a death penalty. Again, according to the laws, you know, it wasn't so easy to get a death penalty in Halacha. But uh, there's no such a thing an Evid Knaini. He's my slave, I do whatever I want. No, no. That that doesn't exist. Also the institution of Shabbos, people don't realize the institution of Shabbos meant that your Evet K'naini and you sat together in shul, in the Mizrach side, or wherever you sat, there's no such a thing, Shabbos, you're working. Yes, he wasn't freed as an Evet, but the idea that there was one day he was completely off, that was a glorious, glorious institution, people take it for granted. So the Allah of Evet K'naini, just giving a few examples. There's Eved Ivri. Eved Ivri is when I buy a Jewish slave. Now, can I buy a Jewish slave? There's only two ways. If the Jewish slave stole and he doesn't have money to pay, so then Bezdin, in lieu of paying the money, sells him to somebody, maximum six years, can't be for more than six years. And this person, unless he wants to stay later, he can also under very strict conditions. And that money that he gets... He pays back the theft. And during those six years, he works for this person. It's like a, basically a six-year lease. But he's committed for six years. That's an evid Ivry, a Jewish slave. There's also one more option if he sells himself. The only way you're allowed to sell yourself is if you don't have bread on the table. If you have a little bread on the table, you're just poor. You're not allowed to sell yourself as a slave. If you're you're partially broke and you're starving and your kids are starving, your wife is starving, the Torah says you're allowed to sell yourself as a slave. Also six years. And then you get a big chunk of money. Guy pays you a half a million dollars. You could support your family and he has to support your family during those six years. After those six years you go. Unless you want to remain. And then there's also halachas. How that happens. It's all in Parsha's Mishpatim, Parsha's Bahar and Parsha's Re'eh. If you learn Chumash every year, and I always encourage people to learn through Parshas Sashavu with Rashi, I'm going to do my my uh, commercial now because, especially now, it's very important to have certain zdorim and to have schedules to learn every day Chumash and Rashi. That section of the day is is a very very powerful tool of uh, sobriety. Uh, it's, you learn, Sunday, you learn, this week is Parshas Vayikra. Sunday, you learn Rishon to Sheni with Rashi. Monday, Shani to Shlishi with Rashi. Tuesday, Shlishi. Today is Wednesday, Revi to Chamishi with Rashi. And then Shabbos, Shvi. And then you know, every week, you know the whole Parsha with Rashi. And it doesn't take long. Vayikra is a little harder. Probably good to use a Chumash Rashi with commentary. There's plenty of them. But um it's very powerful. And then you have a scope of Torah. The laws of servitude are Mishpatim. Bahar and Re'ei. Yeah, I don't think I missed any. Mishpat and Bahar and Re'ei. So you have an Evet Ivri. Then you have a unique category called Amma Ivriya. That's a Jewish female servant. We're going to see the halachas there. Everything we spoke about, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, de Psukadizimra and Krishma. Yeah. The beginning of life, a later stage in life, and a deeper stage in life. Everything we spoke about, nihi, Chagas, Chabad, yeah. asiya, Yitzirah, and Bria. Nefesh is asiya, Ruach is Yitzirah, uh, Neshama is Bria. Are all paralleled in the three realms of Evet K'naini, Evet Ivri, and amma Ivriya. Yes, nefesh roch neshama is an internal experience. Eved ivri eved Kleini is 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 civil law dealing with with hiring employees and in this case consistent employees, which means slaves or servants. But the spiritual element of it is parallels to the nigla, to the halachic, to the concrete element of it. There's the evet knaini in you, in me. What does that mean? It means when I relate to my state as nefesh. That's the soul consciousness that I can relate to, the nefesh consciousness, which I said means the biological functionality of the human organism. Our biological systems work. So when somebody comes to the doctor's office and they do a general checkup and everybody should be very, very healthy, And the systems are working, you know, to check the sugar level and the blood pressure and the cholesterol level and the fat level and the heart and to look at symptoms of what's going on in the lungs and what's going on in the liver and the kidney and the pancreas, of course, everything from the brain, The, the entire biological system working, that's called nefesh. No small miracle, friends. This is the miracle of biology, the miracle of life. And how easy it can get disrupted. That's nefesh in terms of physical life. In terms of spiritual life. Remember there's nefesh abahamis, nefesh alakis. Nefesh abahamis is the seat of physical life. The electricity of the body. The currents that make the body live and function. That's called nefesh abahamis. We call it nefesh abahamis because it's like we're part of the zoological species. We have our machine. The way our machine functions. It's still very profound. It's a human animal soul, but it's an animal soul. Then there's the nefesh halakis. Over here, the nefesh is what? You remember? It's davay Hashem in a way of netzach and Haid, which is based on functionality, even when there's a lack of profound or even not profound enthusiasm and inspiration. Ruach is already emotive and neshama is even deeper than emotive. It's awareness it's transcendent awareness, I would call it. Transcendent awareness. So, Evet Knaini is Nefesh. And the best example is the physical servant. And here he's going to say something I think everybody will relate to. You ever have this feeling when you go to work? He does his work, and he may not have, he may sometimes want it, but it's irrelevant. He may not have any rutsen and any cheshek whatsoever. Cheshek means I have no interest. I'm not excited, I'm not enthusiastic. You know when you're going to work and you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Every voice in you tells you, I do not want to do, be here. Well, I guess one good thing about this situation is people are going to go back to work and they're going to be pretty happy and kids are going to go back to school and pretty happy. But David Knein, he does his avoid There's no rutsen. does he the in many ways, it's called simple work. What do we mean? It's simple. Simple doesn't mean he's not using his head. Simple means is it's devoid of deep emotion. In fact, he may consider it painful. He's not interested. He would like to sit idle and do nothing. The Gemara says in Masechet Gittin, Daf Yud, very famous expression: "The Avda an Evid would like Hafkadis. That's what he would like. He would prefer Nicholai means it's noyach. It's easier for him. It's more comfortable for him. It's more inviting for him. Behavkade. Avda behavkade Nicholai. An Evid would be much more appreciative of Hafkadis. Right? In other words, if you could give me the option that I have no responsibility, nothing, I could, my life is a hefker. No responsibility, no duties, no schedule. Absolute, what I would call from this perspective, what the Evett calls liberty. I'm not sure it's called liberty, but that's what he would call. Complete hefkeris. I can be as frivolous and as chilled as I would like without any duty. That's nich, That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. <laughs> he would love to follow the complete Uninhibitedness of his heart. Whatever my heart tells me to do, I want to do. There's no accountability, no responsibility. So why does he not? If so, why doesn't he do that? The answer is: This avdus. He accepted upon himself this avdus. He accepted upon himself this servitude, this commitment. Why does this person show up at work every morning in the days when he could show up at work? The answer is, this is the contract I signed. This is the commitment I made. It could be a little lower level. It's Amos Harden. He's afraid of his master. He's afraid. Whether it's fear that I'm not going to get my paycheck, whether it's fear of being reprimanded, whether it's fear of being seen as the irresponsible one and ultimately being fired, whatever it is, but the Evet, either it's he accepted upon himself something. That's one level. A lower level is <laughs> he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be hit. Beshevet <laughs> is with the what's the bashavet? The, the scepter. Bashavet is, is a scepter. Of course, he's using a lorchlashim from a shpatim. Vehikes avdei Shave is like a stick, a scepter. And hitting could come in many forms. It doesn't necessarily mean physical. It can also be somebody screaming at me, somebody rebuking me, somebody chastising me. That's why I show up to work. This is a real state in life. Now usually when we experience this state, and who does not, we often feel like a failure. I'm like a loser. But the power of this idea is that no, this is a very important part of life. <speaking in Hebrew> this is spiritually as well. sheein <speaking> <Hebrew> I could be in touch with my nefesh of nefesh sheelay kis, which is a chelik <speaking in Hebrew> lekamimal. What does it mean? I'm in touch with my nefesh? Ein loyrotzim b'tayru mitzvus. The person has no passion, no desire for tayru mitzvos. Kiyim but he's still an evet. What's calling him an evet? He compels himself in actuality to stay away from toxicity and to engage in the good and the productive. Sometimes my animal soul is in its core of yeshus. And in its core of Chumris, yeshus means literally somethingness, which is a term for, in its complete yeshus meaning. It's, it feels it's completely separate from the source of life. It's, it's, in the core, in the, it's in the vortex, but toykef, and its ferociousness of yeshus, of somethingness, which is separate from the source. In, in chsiddas, the biggest, one of the worst words is yeshus. <laughs> Right, yeshes. What does yeshes mean? Yeshes means that you're something, as though that's a bad thing. You, know, you say, "I want to be a something." That yeshes, if it's misunderstood, is like a, it's like, "Oh my God!" It's like you need a lot of help because what does yeshes here mean? Yeshes means somethingness that's detached from my trueness, from from the true somethingness. When you say, "I want to be something," what's this something you want to be? Yeah. So b'taykef yeshus is yeshus is the egotism or the insecurity, and the common denominator is divorced from the true yesh. What's called the Balatanya calls it yesh ha'amiti, the true yesh. U'b'taykef ha'chumris, the animal soul is also in its intense crassness. Chumris means materialism in its full, uh, um, in its full uh, bruteness, in its full crassness, in its full grubkait density. That's where he is. And therefore, I'm not interested to follow the path of Torah and Mitzvah. I have a desire for everything else, anything in the world. And that's why this Evet Knaini, whenever it comes to these aspects of the world, he thinks about it, he speaks about it, he follows it. So that's why there's always regret and remorse, because this is an Evet K'naini. He's really not interested. So yes, he does it, but his heart is so often not there, and that's why he often stumbles, either in his thoughts or his words or actions, but then he has remorse and he comes back, and then again, the cycle continues, and he has remorse again. Why is there remorse? So why are you following what you don't want? The answer is because he's an evit in a good way. There's a He. There's a conviction that he has in his soul, a certain inner agreement that he made to himself. Or because of the fear of the master. What does this mean?. The Chaya yichida. Because besides Nefesh Roach and hashama, there's something called Chaya Yechida. Chaya yichida are the superconscious forces of the soul, which represent your innermost subconscious core, which is always divine. That's what we call in Chsidis the fear of the master. Fear of the master doesn't mean here that God is going to strike me down with lightning. Fear of the master means... That this, an internal, my deepest voice tells me, this is where you want to be. These are your values. But I'm not interested. I know you're not interested. I don't have feel for it. I know you don't feel for it. But he still remains. And even if he falls, he comes back and falls and comes back. Why? Because this is my deepest core. That's what the fear of the master is. Fear of the master means, I'm afraid to go away from this because I'm going to lose my ultimate self. And that's what the makif of Chayichid, the mak of Chayichid is like a super conscious voice that is above you. It's called makif. It's not completely internalized and conscious. If it would be, I wouldn't be an Eved K'naini. I would be in a much higher state, but I am an Eved K'naini. So on one hand, I'm a K'naini, meaning I'm interested in Efkaitis. On the other hand, I'm still an Eved. And whose Eved am I? I'm God's Eved. Eved Hashem. Eved, what did Eliezer say? Eved Avram Hanech. I'm still an Eved. I'm an Eved K'naini. I'm not an Eved Ivri. But an Eved I am. What does it mean I'm an Eved K'naini? An Eved K'naini means I want to have but there is something inside of me, a deep conviction and value that I have that right now I don't feel. I'm not excited about it. I'm not enthusiastic about it. I would like to run away. I wanted to say to China, but that wouldn't be a good idea. Even though Wuhan is looking much better. I want to run away. I want to escape. But I don't because of an inner commitment that I made years ago. Or days ago or months ago, and I respect it because that commitment was not made from a place of blindness and stupidity. That commitment was made from a place of inner awareness or from the fear of my master. And the fear of the master here could sometimes mean you're pushed afraid, you're afraid of punishment, but here he says it means something much deeper. There is a fear of losing myself. There's the fear of the Chaya There's a relationship that I have. Let's call it my values, my priorities, my inner core, what I really, really know to be true and right, even though now I'm not feeling it. That's Evet K'nai Avoid. The Chaya Let me see if there's any, any questions. You can text your questions, 845-777. 47, 47, 845, 777, 47, 47, Rabbi Aaron, Dr. Michael, I'm right here with a lot of others on the, those lower rungs, yet we're climbing together. Thank you. Yes, we're trying to climb together. Reb Aaron, please, some tools to improve davening. Example, read words, point with the finger, sing out loud. He's giving examples how to do it. How to improve your davening. Read words. Point with your finger. Sing out loud. Take breaths between paragraphs. Take breaths between words. Sing out even louder. Don't be concerned about bothering others. About bothering others. Bother Hashem instead. Ask Him for Mashiach today, now. Stand and sing even louder. With more attention paid to the words. Stop and then continue lower. What's the rush? Where do I have to go? And Daven for others. Thank you, Baron. Thank you. You could text your questions. 845 777 Page Kuf Ayan, around 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 lines from the bottom. Kuf Ayan. it's spelled Chay because it's an acronym. Chaya Yechida. Hey, makifim gam neshama. They are makif even higher than ruach and We spoke about nefesh, ruach, neshama, Chaya and transcend even ruach and We have to understand what that means. What does it mean to transcend neshama? But they transcend it. And they're called makifim because they're not internalized within the vessels of a person. But, hein gam nefesh. but they affect even the person in the state of nefesh. Because on Makifim, there are no concealments. On Pnimi, there could be concealment, not on Makif. You understand why? Pnimi, we learned there's an Er Pnimi and there's an Er Makif. Er Pnimi means a light that's internalized within your vessel. If your vessel is dirty or your vessel is full, nothing could go in. An er makif is the Ur er that is, it's present even if you don't feel its presence, so nothing could conceal it. The definition of er pnimi is what makes it present is that I know you're present, that I identify with you, that I feel you, I define myself in terms of you. That's what er pnimi means. Er pnimi is my consciousness, how I define myself to myself. It's the story I tell me about me. Our makif is the story about me that I may not even be aware of. The definition of its existence is not that I experience it. The definition of its existence is that it exists vis-a-vis itself. Subconscious forces could be much truer and much more powerful and much more impactful than conscious forces. Some people their entire lives are symptoms of their subconscious fears or loves or anxieties, or traumas, or deep relationships, positive or not, or positive or toxic. But sometimes my subconscious is much more powerful than my conscious. You know why? Because it has full control without anybody stopping it. (laughs) Nobody stops it. It has full reign because I'm not aware of it. So it guides my habits, my addictions, my the way I speak, the way I think, the way my brain operates. Subconscious stuff. That's called makifim. In the positive sense, it means, on makifim, there's no concealments. On nefesh, ruach, and neshama, which are pnimi is, that's where the way where the neshama is manifested in your body, in your consciousness. There's different states. There's nefesh, there's ruach, there's neshama. And even nefesh is very deep. You know, let's not be mavatal nefesh. Nefesh is, he's a full-time evid of God. This, this, don't be mavatul nefesh so much. This is a, this guy is a full time evit. He's an evit knaini. He's not a hefker yung. He's an evit. Evit knaini. He's not an evet divini, but he's an evit. As he said, when you look at his life, his life is very functional. His life is 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 in sync with his master, but. There is a rebellion there. There is a continuous rebellion. There's a continuous argument and a debate. But, and what causes him to be an avid? Because the makifim are never concealed. There's a place of you. There's an inner core of holiness that is called makif. Makif means it's not defined by the internal vessel. And because it's not defined by the internal vessel, none of your toxicity can block it and obstruct it. Thank you. Thank you so much. If I state an expression. There's nothing that can eclipse and conceal and create a curtain that separates the makifim, the super-conscious voices and truths of chaya and yechideh, of the soul, even somebody in a state of nefesh has an experience, has an impact of makif, even if he can't consciously explain it. Sometimes, you'll ask a person, a person says, I want to do this, I want to do this, I really want to do this, I want want to run from me. I want to leave my family, I want to leave my work, I want to leave this, I want to leave that, I want to leave that. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you'll see that at the core of this person, there is a value that is very, very precious, which is keeping them here, and doesn't allow me to do things even though I'm angry and I'm disturbed and I'm... There's somebody here in the class who once shared with me that uh, somebody told him that he wants to leave his wife and children. He wants to go biking in New Zealand for six years. <laughs> well, now nobody's leaving anywhere, but this was a couple of years ago. He wants to go biking in New Zealand for six years. He felt the pressure, you know, the pressure of the community and the family and everything. And the... and. He wasn't aware that there was another element going on. When he was challenged to go a little deeper in himself, what was, con- what, what the conclusion that he reached was, he's not just not running away because of fear. He can do what he wants, but there's his own fear. What's his own fear? His own fear is deep fear. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good fear. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to commit spiritual suicide. The makif speaks to you and impacts you, even when you don't know it. You have inner, inner core values. In other words, the Rebbe is telling you: don't turn yourself into such a hafker. You. you call yourself Avde Befker Nichale. I'm not interested. You don't even know about your makifim. If you would know about your makifim, you would know. That the fear of losing them is actually what's fueling you showing up to serve every day. Even though you're completely not interested. Your interest is not conscious. It's not passionate. Which is very nice to have. It's nice to go to work. And you're enthusiastic. When you love what you do, it's a different type of work. That's true. But in life, you're not always going to have that. There's a a ladder that we're climbing. And this is a very powerful moment. I can completely be involved in something that I tell you, I don't want this. I'm not interested in it. But that's a very small part of the story. If you're really, 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 really not interested in it, we have to recalibrate. We have to rethink this. But you have to find out if your chaya yechida, meaning if your transcendent voices if your deeper most values that you are not in touch with, you're not in touch with on a conscious level, because if you would be, you would be very excited about this, are impacting you, and that's what's keeping you here. That's what's keeping you here, says the Rebbe, That in Avodes Hashem, this is true. I may not have a conscious rots and I may not have a conscious cheshek, but there's a makif of chayyed, there's a deeper, deeper commitment to truth, to God, that transcends even what my conscience may be experienced. It's understood, if he would have been more refined, and if he would have been more bedakus. you know what more bedakus means? A more subtle person. If your antennas would be more sensitive to your own subtlety, unbelievable expression. He would feel his makif more, because your antennas are more in sync with you. But even if I'm in a state of nefesh, the makif impacts me still. But it's not always. It's only sometimes. The makif emerges. And that's why you'll see even the most light-headed of Jews, Kal Shabakala means the light-headed among the light-headed. Kal means you're just so light-headed, you don't care. Posh Yisrael is an expression of Chazal, the sinners of Israel. They used to say Kal means Kal even the Kalim call him a Kal. <laughs> even the Kalim call this guy a Kal. Even a and Yisrael, sometimes there's an arousal of tshuva. So there's a claw. Even a kalam and Persh Yisrael, there is a error for tshuva. There's no such a thing. A Jew is completely estranged. It can happen at a coronavirus, it can happen during a six-day war. It can happen during a mystery, during a Gulf War. It can happen during a great crisis, during a great moment of joy, or it can happen in the middle of a Wednesday Wednesday morning, sitting on a couch, tuning into to the yeshiva.net or YouTube or Facebook or Zoom or not. not the people are tuning in. I assume are not or but we all have our moments. Even he has a tshuva. Why? says, oh mitzad hamakef, mitzad hamakef. Because the makiv doesn't have concealments. What's the makiv? The makiv is the transcendent divinity that is not consciously manifested, but it's deep inside, and sometimes a little trickle comes from your superconscious into your conscious, and you feel something different. There's such It could be, it could be a, a nanosecond. It could be a moment, a fleeting thought, but it's a moment of chuva. The Gemara calls it hero tshuva. But this is when there's something happens that God causes the makif should be revealed. It's called an esrat in the special moments that the makif is more revealed. An example would be Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Yisker. You'll have people, they won't show up. They're not, three days a year they'll show up. Jews who come once a year, Yom Kippur, they come for Kalnidra and the Ila. What happened? I don't understand. A whole year you don't care about this. So if you don't care about it, what happened on Yom Kippur? Still tell you, my grandmother, my Baba Yisker, what Yisker? You're not even sure you believe in a soul or life after death. What's Yisker? Ven Yisker? Your father died 50 years ago. Or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago. What Yisker? You call yourself an atheist. <laughs> The my guy may not be able to explain it. He doesn't have to explain it. That's called Makif. And it's one of, it's a very rich idea. I think I shared this with you once. <laughs> Go to Sunday. If you stand, I don't mean now during the coronavirus, COVID-19, but on a Sunday, somebody's coming out of church and you say you believe in the Lord. Of course, I'm screaming hallelujah for three hours. And Friday, you're standing near a mosque. Somebody comes out, you believe in Muhammad? Of course, I've been fasting Ramadan for a whole month. Go to a Buddhist ashram. Somebody comes out, you believe in Buddha? Of course, I've been doing transcendental meditation 49 years. Go to a Hindu monastery, somebody comes out, you say, you believe in karma? Of course. Why do you think I have that worm in my garden? I have a relationship with that worm for the last 39 years. Of course, I believe in karma. Now you go to a Jew or fifth go to Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, or you can go to some other places. Tim Kipper, a Jew comes out of Temple Emmanuel. I don't know if you've ever been to Temple or saw, ever saw Temple Emmanuel on Fifth Avenue. A few weeks ago, well now it's a few months ago, I did a Shabbaton in Fifth Avenue Synagogue. So I was staying in the Loyal Hotel and um uh, and I went to the shul. so I asked the person, where is the synagogue nearby? Cause they told me. So he sent me to the synagogue. The problem was it was temple. It was temple Emmanuel instead of Fifth Avenue Synagogue. Fifth Avenue Synagogue is an Orthodox rule. And temple Emmanuel is one of the big reform congregations. So I went into temple Emmanuel and the rabbi was quite astounded to see me. I said, I'm here. I'm sp- supposed to speak here this Shabbos. <laughs> and the rabbi of temple Emmanuel ever was there by the door was quite, ast- quite astounded with the guest. You could stand at Temple Emmanuel. somebody comes out, Yim Kippur, takes off his yarmulke, maybe uh, asks a taxi to stop and go over to him and say, you believe in God? He'll look at you, me? (laughs) Me? (laughs) Evolution, what God? He's a Columbia graduate, an Oxford graduate. So why are you here in your Oh, it's Yim Kippur. So you believe in him? Kippur, and Torah, Mitzvah, no, no, no. What? So why did you come to Shul? He said, what does it have to do? I'm a Jew. A Jew comes to Shul on Yom Kippur. <laughs> what did he just tell you? He just told you, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm a Jew. And for a Jew, Yom Kippur is meaningful. It's not, I don't believe that my great, great, great grandfather, they were all just fundamentalist, brainwashed, indoctrinated people. And because I want to honor them, therefore I'm doing something really stupid and coming here. So this Jew is pshat is. You could look at it two ways, and this is the difference when you get pnimiyasatayin and you don't. Without pnimiyasatayin, you say this Jew is an atheist. This Jew is a kalshebekalim. This Jew is a paiseya Yisrael. Once a year, he feels a little guilt because of his Zaydah used to give him musser, right? And, or, because it's the family tradition, so there's nostalgia. Or, I don't know, maybe he has some doubt. Maybe, you know, when he dies, he wants some mitzvah, but probably not even that. So why did he go to Shulim Yom Kippur? He goes to because, I don't know, because that's what his, his parents went once a year, and he's a mensch. He's not a bad guy. He's a mensch, so he respects his parents. But come on. He's a kal shabakalim, he's a pashay so That's one way of looking at it. What this Maim is teaching you, it's no. On Yim Kippur, he's in touch with himself. The rest of the year, he's just not in touch with himself. Yim Kippur is the real person. The Mak'if comes out. And the Mak'if is his deepest core. It's just not conscious. So tomorrow, already in the middle of the day, he'll tell you, I'm an atheist. He really thinks so. He's not lying. But Yim Kippur, of course you go to Shul and Yim Kippur. <laughs> What's the question? What is it? There's an internal contradiction. Because the makifim never die. And as he puts it here, in unbelievable words, There's never a blockage on the makifim of Chayi There can't be a blockage. Blockages can only be on something that is reduced to consciousness. So if I have trauma... I can't feel the love, so I don't feel it. But makifim remain in the realm of infinity. So therefore, your consciousness can't contain them in a positive sense, and your toxicity can't destroy them in a negative sense. You heard what I said? Your consciousness can't contain them in a positive sense, because they transcend consciousness. But the good thing is that your toxicity or trauma or lowliness, or frivolousness, or crassness, or immorality, or even mistakes and promiscuity also can't tarnish it. They have no access to it. It remains, but it could remain concealed. There's sometimes God allows the makifim to be more revealed. A little light trickles down, and that's when the Jew says, "I am connected. I am connected." So even the nefesh Jew is impacted by chayyichid. Yes, if he was more refined, there would be a greater trickle because he would be more open to himself. He's not. He's an Evid Knaini. But the impact is still there. And because the impact is still there, he remains connected. He remains connected. He remains an Evid. He follows, he lives a life that is true to his inner values. And that's very, very powerful. What does this mean? Let's bring it down in a very real way. And this is this is probably uh, very, very practical these days. It's corona, it's COVID-19, you're at home, some people are climbing walls, you're climbing walls, maybe you're tired, you're exhausted, especially if you didn't follow the advice in the beginning of the year about how to start over the day, or even if you did, but it's a disorienting time, and at that moment, sometimes you feel like you're, you want to scream at people. You want to scream at your spouse. You want to scream at your children. You want to scream at yourself. You are screaming at yourself. You're going crazy. That's how they say it in English. The Geis right? You could still be an Evet K'naini. An Evet What's an Evet Be I'd love to jump. I'd love to holler. I'd love to scream. I'd love to lose my... That's where I am. That's where I am. Okay. So that's where I am. That's what I'm feeling consciously. But at this moment, you could take a deep breath. You could pay tribute to the fact that you're an evad evet knaini. Befkei Yes. I'm not always in touch with my highest level of reality and still remain loyal to your innermost value, and allow your behavior to reflect that. The Evit Knaini shows up to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. He shows up to work, whether it's the cotton fields, and I don't mean the cotton fields in a negative sense of what they used to do to them, but I mean whether it's the field or the orchard, he shows up to work. He shows up to do what he has to do. Why? al is what is it? Because there's a deep commitment inside his soul, because there's a fear of losing Chaya Yechida, in other words, you attach yourself to what the person you would have liked to be, which means the person who you really are, the person you would like to be right now. What can I do right now and how can I respond right now that will ultimately bring me closer to the person I want to be, the home I want to have, the family I want to have. Even though every part of my heart is screaming to do otherwise. This is the power of an Evet knaini. And it's an incredible idea that just because you're feeling efkidus doesn't mean you're not an Eved Hashem. You're still an Eved Hashem. It's completely not a contradiction. Chavre, this is not something uh, it's easy to interrupt. Really, it would be very gishmak to learn this a whole day, which you could. You could, but uh, we're not going to stop. We're just going to take a little break till tomorrow morning. And I wish you... A wonderful and beautiful and inspiring day. I love you all. I bless you with good health. Today was established as a Yom Tefillah, a day of davening. May we express our tefillahs to the Rebbein HaSheloylam to bring healing and recovery to the entire planet and to all of our people. And may uh, the world experience an ultimate new dawn and an ultimate new horizon with HaGaul HaShleimah. And have a beautiful and meaningful day. Thank you all for joining us. See you tomorrow at eight. And also want to invite you, as I said earlier, tomorrow Thursday, four o'clock PM on the yeshiva.net. We have a massive and beautiful children's program. And children can text all their questions to eight four five seven 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 forty seven forty seven eight four five seven 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 forty seven forty seven. They can text it before the program as well, and I will try to address at least many of the questions. Have a great day. We're going to continue now with the Gemara class. Okay, let me just read the questions here. I'm just going to uh, to read the questions before we continue. Okay. Rebbe can you explain Chaya, Yechida, Ormakev, Soiviv? Okay, we'll get to that. There's a nice story about Zalman Shazar, who was the Israeli president Okay, we'll have to tell that story. I know the story. One of my favorites, singing this prayer, any other, seems to make a stronger connection. So is that what you mean? Okay, I think it's important to stress that this arousal of makif is not the idea we know as there's no atheist in the foxhole. That idea would be pure ubechein ultimately driven by a spiritual arousal that speaks to the person's crisis. The, ma- the makif idea is coming purely from something more transcendent, which is not related to any personal interest or matzav. Very profound. There's no atheist in the faksol fa- would be pure b'chein, which means... There's a crisis, and this is what I need for my crisis. The makif is something that's always pure and transcendent. The distinction is, in fact, best evidenced by the fact that the Jew going to Sholein Yom Kippur admits that he doesn't even feel anything. Pintel that we all have. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, there is a, there is a story somebody mentioned here to tell. And Bli Neder remind me to tell the story tomorrow about President Zalman Shazar. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at donate.